Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Are the New York Jets actually going to cash in on those receipts Robert Sala's been keeping? After four straight wins, are the Tennessee Titans back to the level they were at last year? And why is Aaron Rodgers saying too much of the wrong thing? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Jets are making a trade ahead of next week's NFL trade deadline. And it is not the kind that we might be otherwise used to them making. It is to bring in James Robinson, the Jaguars running back, because this Jets team can be a playoff team right now, five and two after beating the Denver Broncos on Sunday and unfortunately losing Brees Hall, who looked like he was going to run, not walk, to the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Joining me now from Locked on Jets, John Butchko. And, and John, this is unfamiliar territory in a lot of ways for the Jets to be buyers at the trade deadline. What does this do for New York? Well, it gives them a quality back to join Michael Carter. The Jets kind of have to change the way their offense works now. Brees Hall over the last three weeks has become the guy on, on the offensive side of the ball for the Jets. It's been a run-oriented offense. Brees Hall's been great. In fact, before he got injured in the game against Denver, he broke a long touchdown run to open the scoring in the first quarter. After they lost him, they still had a quality number two back in Michael Carter who could step into a bigger role. But the guy behind Carter was Ty Johnson, and I think the way this is going to work is it's going to be a bit of a running back tandem. So the Jets had to upgrade the guy behind Carter and look James Robinson is not going to be Brees Hall he's not the home run hitter Brees Hall is neither is Michael Carter and that's I think that more than anything is what the Jets are going to miss with Brees Hall James Robinson and Michael Carter they're both guys who can run hard between the tackles Robinson's actually going to be an upgrade for the Jets in one aspect he's a much better pass blocker than either Hall or Carter are and that's going to help Zach Wilson now, who's been a little shaky under pressure. So, I mean, from that standpoint, he's an upgrade. But you can't compare Robinson with Brees Hall. What you have to do is compare him with Ty Johnson. And I think there's no question, you know, this is a guy who had 1,000 yards a couple of years ago as a rookie. He's a quality young back. And for the price the Jets paid, it's difficult to object to anything about this trade. Yeah, to say Kyle Wilson has been, or Zach Wilson, excuse me, has been a little shaky under pressure is uh, an understatement. He is the worst by passer rating under pressure in the league this season. And overall, I want to ask you about this because overall, Wilson has uh, not gone over 200 yards the last two weeks in passing. In fact, not even gone over 125 and has not had a passer rating over 100 this season. So what is the ceiling of this Jets team as a, we're going to run the ball and play awesome defense Sauce Gardner, like the Jets had a chance to sweep the rookie of the year category because Sauce Gardner is a superstar like now. So what is the ceiling of this team if the passing game with Wilson can't get better? Well, you know, Peter, it's funny because in the Jets fan base, there's this this, this discussion now. There's this consternation. It's like, how are we going to match up with Kansas City and Buffalo? I'm sitting there saying at the beginning of the year, we we're just hoping there would be competitive football. The Jets haven't made the playoffs in 12 years. They haven't had a winning record since 2015. So it's kind of amazing the... Uh, "Quote unquote problems the Jets have right now. Mm. I think it's going to be a tough out. Listen, this is not this team's not as good as Buffalo. They're not as good as Kansas City. But I've said this on Locked On Jets. This is not like the mid 
part of the first decade of this century in the AFC where you had Brady's Patriots and Manning's uh, Colts and, you know, the Chargers were in the mix um, and the Dick LeBeau defense with the Steelers. There aren't many great teams in the AFC. You have, again, Buffalo. In the NFL, have, really. Yeah, you have Buffalo, you have Kansas City, and then there's just a bunch of teams that are roughly equal to each other. And I mean, the Jets are right there with any of them, I think. Uh, you know, the, it, it, this team reminds me a lot of the early Rex Ryan team because they were dealing with a young great quarterback point. who was kind of limited, Mark Sanchez, and they played great defense. They ran the ball. They had a shutdown corner just as the Jets do. They had Darrell Rivas back then. Sauce Gardner's not Darrell Rivas, but he's been really good this year. I mean, he's not yet borderline all pro level. I think he's been phenomenal this year. So, you know, this is a team that's not if not a favorite in the AFC, but I think they're going to be a tough out for anybody if they keep playing the way they've been playing. Stay up to date all year on the New York Jets by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Jets podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, are we buying stock on the Tennessee Titans again? Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. How about the top five title odds in the AFC and the NFC? Bet Online has the AFC like this the Bills at plus 150, the Chiefs at plus 350, and then a big drop off Baltimore, 8 to 1, Cincinnati, 8 to 1, the Chargers, 14 to 1. And the NFC, much more muddled. The Eagles, plus 210, the 49ers and the Vikings each at plus 550, then the Cowboys, plus 750, and the Buccaneers. At 8 to 1, Bet Online is where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The consequences of repeated, brazen anti Semitic attacks over the past few weeks have unraveled the empire of Ye. The musician and fashion designer, better known as Kanye West, has tarnished his goodwill with financial institutions and celebrity footholds. Adidas announced Tuesday it would immediately end production of Yeezy branded products and stop all payments to Ye and his companies. Adidas, according to a statement, does not tolerate anti-Semitism and any other sort of hate speech. Yeezy generated an estimated $2 billion a year, close to 10% of the company's annual revenue, according to industry experts. Adidas said the split will cost the company almost $250 million. Celtics forward Jalen Brown and Rams star defensive tackle Aaron Donald have each announced that they are cutting ties with their partnerships with Kanye West and Donda Sports. A Moscow court rejected Brittany Griner's appeal of her nine-year sentence on drug charges Tuesday. This is an anticipated result in a trial the U.S. and international officials have called an illegitimate proceeding. U.S. officials have said they believe Russia will eventually send the WNBA star home in a prisoner swap, but have expressed frustration over what they say is Russia's failure to respond to a significant offer the United States made in June. In the ruling, the court stated that the time Griner will have to serve in prison will be recalculated with her time in pretrial detention taken into account, meaning Griner will serve about eight years in prison. This appeal is further verification that BG is not wrongfully detained, the WNBA Players Association said in a statement. She is very clearly a hostage. The New Orleans Pelicans couldn't miss in the first half and shot well enough in crunch time to hold off Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. 
No Zion, no Brandon Ingram, no Herb Jones, no problem for the Pelicans as their depth gets them a big win over the Dallas Mavericks. I'm Jake Masson, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. The Pels feel like they are a deep team and you saw it in this one. What should have been a scheduled loss turned into a massive win with players like Najee Marshall out hustling Dallas and Luka Doncic all night. Trey Murphy going a perfect 8 of 8 shooting for 22 points. CJ McCollum not hitting his shots but dishing out big assists and Jose Alvarado making play after play. In total, eight players scored in double figures for New Orleans. That's only the fifth time ever the franchise has ever had that happen. They out-hustled and outworked the Mavs, and you saw the fight from this team and why they feel something special is brewing in the Big Easy. There's a new Iron Man in the NHL, and he is Phil Kessel of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Phil Kessel is the new Iron Man of the NHL. Folks, Chris Pollock, Locked On Vegas Golden Knights here. The Golden Knights win 4-2 in San Jose. Phil Kessel nets his 400th career goal for the second night in a row. What an amazing accomplishment, an amazing night to celebrate Phil Kessel. Stick tap to the San Jose Sharks for showing some love. Similar how the Vegas Golden Knights showed respect to Patrick Marlowe a couple seasons ago. 990 games played, nearly 3,000 periods of hockey played, over 60,000 consecutive minutes. Phil Kessel is the Ironman of the NHL. Amazing accomplishments. Gets a goal on his nights. All love, all happiness. Folks, check out Lockdown Vegas Golden Knights anywhere you get your podcasts. Your team every day. Is another story you need to know. The Tennessee Titans on Sunday got a win over the Indianapolis Colts 19 to 10 and maybe just ended Matt Ryan's career. Who knows if we ever see Matt Ryan as a preferred starter ever again, like that could be a real thing. And that is the funny thing about the Titans season in 2022. And it was also the funny thing about the Titans season in 2021. They just roll along. They just keep winning. They're four and two. They are what looks like a lock to be in the playoffs in the AFC if they stay relatively healthy. Yep. And are we talking about them? No, we are not. So here we are talking about them with Locked On Titans host Tyler Roland. And, and Tyler, I felt like we did this same interview four times last year, sort of like why is no one talking about the Tennessee Titans? So that aside, we know people aren't. What are the, What is this team doing well that people might not be noticing? The defense is great. And I know that the Titans lost Harold Landry. And I know that if you if you look at the raw yardage numbers, it doesn't look good because the Titans have given up over 300 passing yards. Uh, they did it like four weeks in a row, starting from week two to, to when they played against Carson Wentz. But the reality is, if you go deeper into it, you'll see a bunch of turnovers, a bunch of big plays. You'll see stopping a two-point conversion against the Raiders at the end. You'll see David Long with an interception against Carson Wentz at the goal line to win that game against the Commanders in Week 5. You'll see Tier Tart knocking a Matt Ryan pass up in the air, our defensive nose tackle, and intercepting it. The Titans' defense, despite just purely pathetic and pedestrian offense, the Titans' defense somehow finds a way to not only do their job, create turnovers, stop opposing offenses from scoring, which is what really matters, the Buffalo game is going to throw the numbers out of whack. So if you go look at the Titans numbers, you want to call me a fool, then fine. But I watch every game multiple times every week. This defense is way better than the numbers say because the Buffalo stuff skews it and the way that they play on defense. But the reality here is, despite, like I said, pathetic offensive play, 
the Titans defense does its job and finds a way to set the offense up for easy score opportunities, which uh, calling anything an easy score opportunity for the Titans seems uh, wrong. But uh, that's what the defense is doing. The Titans defense has so many great players on it. And uh, that would be the most underrated portion of the Titans this year that's really been leading them to wins. I want to talk about the offense and and how they are doing this. And maybe the answer just is like the defense is playing really well and so they don't have to score a bunch of points. But I was going through their game logs and looking at the guys who are catching passes from Ryan Tannehill. And on Sunday against the Colts, Austin Hooper caught three balls, led the team in both catches and yards with Finally. three for 56. Yeah, he'd uh, done nothing to that point. Robert Woods, three catches for 26 yards and Derrick Henry, three for 10. Okay, here are the other guys who were targeted in that game. Chig Okonkwo, who's a rookie, Nick Westbrook-Akina, Dontrell Hilliard, Jeff Swain, Mason Kinsey, Hassan Haskins, Cody Hollister. I didn't make up any of those names. I promise. None of those are Madden generates. And it seems like maybe they, they would have been. So, Ty, how is this team scoring enough to win? Well, the reality is, like I mentioned, the defense is putting them in great positions. If you go through the Titans scoring drives this year, you're going to find a lot of them that were set up by turnovers or set up with good field position because the defense held the offense and they had to punt from, you know, poor positioning. Like everything that's going well for the Titans is centered around the defense or tell me if you've heard this before, Derrick Henry. And if you look at the statistics. I'm with Derrick Henry. Yards after contact, being hit behind the line of scrimmage on runs. If you look at these things, you'll see that while the Titans' offensive line, which is absolutely beleaguered right now and just in a terrible spot, one of the worst units in the league, the Titans' offensive line, while having its warts, is still pretty decent at run blocking. So them being decent at run blocking, I'm not going to oversell it and say good, them being decent at run blocking and then having a generational elite all-time running back is allowing the Titans to basically piecemeal together an offense. And I have to mention, although they went 0 for 2 against the Colts in the red zone, the Titans before that game against the Colts had a 92% red zone wow. scoring rate, 11 out of their 13 opportunities they were able to score. And... um the re taking advantage of the opportunities the defense is giving them and then having Derrick Henry kind of carry them to field goals ha has basically been the season so far. But with the skill position players that you mentioned, I mean, and the poor offensive line, what are the Titans to do? You add in poor play calling and game planning. The Titans have been the worst second-half team in the NFL. They scored six points in the fourth quarter against the Colts on Sunday, the first points in the fourth quarter they had scored all year. So. Poor coaching on offense, poor offensive line, poor weapons. Thank God for Derrick Henry and that defense. Stay up to date all here on the Tennessee Titans by subscribing to Locked On Sports today in the Locked On Titans podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, why Aaron Rodgers isn't saying what he needs to say. It's not been a great start to the 2023 season for the Green Bay Packers. There are many fingers to point at many aspects of the Packers' inefficiency. The one person who seems unwilling or unable to point the finger at himself is the most important person on the team. I explained on Tuesday's Locked on Packers. I don't want to hear from Aaron Rodgers about anyone but Aaron Rodgers. At this point. Yes, drops. That's a thing. 
Guys got to catch the ball. They got to make the plays. Yeah, some of the play calls have been garbage. Not great. But you're in those meetings. You have a huge say in this offense. Penalties got you behind the sticks. That's a huge thing. You're making $50 million. You're a four-time MVP. You're supposed to be the leader of this team. Take responsibility. Matt LaFleur, every time something goes wrong, he says, it's on me. I have to coach better. And then he says, all these other things that need to happen. It starts with me. I want Aaron Rodgers to just say, answer no questions other than his own play. One time. One time, have the accountability to just say, this is all on me. Even though it's not. I know it's not. I just want him to say it. Because that's what leaders do. I want to hear him do that. I want to say, look, this all starts with me. And I know I have to be better. I have to be better for Romeo Dobbs. I have to be better for Alan Lazard. I have to be better for Aaron Jones. I have to be better for my rookie left tackle. I have to be better for Elton Jenkins who's switching positions. I have to be better for everyone else. I have to be better for Matt LaFleur. No, he can't catch the ball for his receivers. He can't block for his, um, his, his offensive lineman. And he kind of can call plays because he can change whatever he wants to the line of scrimmage. But I just, I want him to take responsibility because someone needs to. Someone needs to be an adult, light a fire under this team. And I think Aaron Rodgers, who is the best player on the team, everyone is looking at him. Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs don't need Aaron Rodgers to say, well, we got to make catches. They know. They're looking at you going, man, I'm so sorry. You're the GOAT. They feel bad. They don't need you to say, yeah, they need to, they need to step their game up. They know. I want to know that you know. And they want to know that you know that you have to play better. That's what they want from Aaron Rodgers. So let's see it. Let's see it. I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath, but let's see it. Let's see him do it. That clip came before Aaron Rodgers went on a national talk show and insisted that guys who are making mental errors should have their playing time reduced and in an audacious and gobsmacking move said, or maybe joked, but even as a joke, it's not funny that this was his highest graded game of the year, according to his quarterback's coach. That's like being the person who, when your group project got a C, you said, well, I did my part. That's not leadership. That's not accountability. And when you're the four-time MVP, the two-time reigning MVP, making $50 million a year on a new contract you just signed after holding the team hostage for two off seasons, that just feels like a pretty big slap in the face to a fan base, to your teammates, to anyone paying attention to what's going on in Green Bay right now. Oh, but I did what I could do. Okay. And finally, following up on a story we talked about on yesterday's show, the NFL has announced the two referees that were accused of asking Mike Evans for his autograph after the Buccaneers lost to the Panthers did not, in fact, ask Evans for autographs. Following conversations with the individuals involved, the league determined that Jeff Lamberth and Trip Sutter weren't asking for an autograph. Evans even corroborated the report. I wasn't signing my autograph, I'll tell you that. Evan told reporters Tuesday, I talked to a lot of officials, we're all human beings. He's a nice guy, so he was talking about golf. That's all 
we were talking about. Golf. Just just golf. No no need to no need no need to further probe. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, who looks like the NFL's MVP right now? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.